it's time for Off the Clock with D. Kucher. The only podcast that brings you business bronc conversations with phenomenal guests, as well as the kind of fun and games that you have come to expect from the Off the Clock events in our Swigert Hall home. Join host Dr. Gene Kucher each month as he connects with three guests about topics of interest in business that complement what's happening in the classroom, in the Zoom room, and in the field. Now get ready for Off the Clock with Dean Kucher, brought to you by the Norm Brodsky College of Business at Ryder University, right here on 1077 The Bronx. Hello, and welcome to the Off the Clock Podcast. I am Dr. Gene Kucher, and it is my honor and privilege to be the Dean of the Norm Brodsky College of Business here at Ryder University. The Norm Brodsky College of Business values the building of human connections and listening to the perspectives of others. The Off the Clock Podcast will bring that vital conversation from our Swigert Hall home out to our broader business Bronx community. In each episode, I will engage one faculty member, one student, and one alumnus, each sharing their unique point of view. And as long as we're off the clock, at the end of the business day, who doesn't like to engage in a little friendly competition? Like our famous off-the-clock events each December, this podcast features a game where one lucky student can win big. Today's topic is internships and co-ops. At Ryder University, student success is paramount, and nothing prepares our students more for their life and their career than the kind of real-world experience you get outside of the classroom through an internship or co-op. They, they do it all. You get a taste of what it's like to work in the real world. You get a chance to apply what you're learning from your coursework and also get to see what it feels like to be working on projects, interacting with coworkers and teams, developing a professional persona and building your network. Gone are those days where interns were getting coffee and doing grunt work. Now they're contributing to important projects, maybe even leading teams. From my perspective and vantage point as a dean, I know I'm regularly talking to students about getting the most that they can from their experiential learning. I'm also talking to our industry partners about generating as many internship or co-op opportunities for our business Bronx as we can. So join me today as I talk to our three guests all about internships and co-ops. Our first guest, Lindsay Alvarado is well known here in the Norm Brodsky College of Business, where she is both our dedicated career advisor and an adjunct faculty member teaching career management courses. Lindsay is a double degree writer grad, having gotten both her BS in psychology and her MBA. She's the faculty advisor and a fellow brother of the Delta Sigma Pi co-ed business fraternity. After working almost nine years in the financial services industry, Lindsay joined Ryder's career development and success department to share her knowledge and expertise with our students, giving insight from both sides of the hiring process. Without further delay, let me say hello, Lindsay. Welcome to the Off the Clock podcast. Lindsay, I'm just gonna jump right into it. Can you tell us the elevator pitch for the Career Development and Success Office? Absolutely, so Career Development has career advisors that can help students with their resume and cover letter building or edits, job and internship search strategies, interviewing and networking skills, and using LinkedIn and social media in your job search. We're also able to help students with their professional skills and personality assessments to help them pick a major or a career path that will suit them. It's also so important that we have you, Lindsay, as a career advisor specifically built in to the Norm Brodsky College of Business. And I think everyone around here knows what you do for us. They might not know that before you were here, you were also on the other side of the desk and you were hiring employees. And you know, maybe sometimes you'd be hiring writer employees and sometimes not, which I think has made you really uh, ready, I think, for what you do for us. And even before that, you were involved with Ryder too. Can you tell us a little bit about that part? 
Absolutely. So I'm actually a proud Rider alum two times. I graduated with my Bachelor's of Arts in Psychology in 2006 and my Master's of Business Administration in 2009. I went on to work in financial services for about 10 years, first starting in human resources, but then moving into investment management and operations. And in all of the roles I had in my previous career, I was hiring entry-level talent. And I built a nice relationship with professors and individuals at Ryder, where I started hiring a lot of Ryder students. The office I was working at was only about five minutes away from campus, so it just made sense. And actually in the year 2015, I hired 35 rider students into wow. full-time jobs, which you think about what our graduating class is, that's actually a, a nice percentage of, of the graduating class went on to work there. But we had entry-level openings and rider had great candidates. So it was a match made in heaven. Now, when you were a student here, was there a similar culture around the importance of internships and co-ops between then and now? Yeah, well, I think we knew that internships were important or getting some type of real world experience in what you were studying. So one, you could solidify that it is what you wanted to do after graduation, but also to help build your resume. You know, one thing that I think has really changed is when I was looking for an internship, it was more of a placement. There was a faculty member in my department who oversaw internships and I set up a meeting with her and said, I want an internship. And she actually placed me at an internship. It wasn't a full interview process like it is today. So I think the process has been formalized. Resume submissions, uh, multi-step interviews, job offers. So I think it really went from placement to having to work a little bit harder to get that opportunity. What's big interview? Can you share with the audience what big interview is? Absolutely. So big interview is interview preparation software. So it has lots of great sample questions and how to answer those questions. And they're divided into industry and even level internship versus entry level managerial. But what is so amazing, especially now, is that it's a video interview software. So lots of companies are now asking students to record videos as part of their application okay. and interview process. And Big Interview mimics that. So it will ask you a question and you use your webcam to record your answer. And then you can play it back or have a career advisor or even a, a friend or family member review your answer and give you feedback. So it's not like a conversation like you and I are having now. It's more you're recording it and then it becomes a file that is, it's either sent to that employer or you have um, that could be shareable. So a lot of people, when they think about video interviews, they do think it is like Zoom or Skype or, or two-way, but companies are actually sending students a video of someone asking a question. And then there's a little countdown clock, three, two, one, and the student's webcam turns on and they have to provide an answer. So it is quite different than a one-on-one -on -one meeting. And it sounds to me like what you're saying is that it takes practice skill that it's just because you speak to people your whole life doesn't necessarily mean you're ready to speak in an interview that's going to help you reach your goals. It sounds like practice is really important. Is this something that you cover in that career planning course we have here as a requirement in the college? Yes, absolutely. Big interview is actually an assignment that all students are required to complete. So I have a set of 10 interview questions that are very common for entry-level candidates or internship candidates, and students record their answers, and then I review them and provide feedback. It sounds it sounds very helpful, because we have been talking about internships, but we should also say that uh, many of our students have what's called co-ops, and of course, you know, if, if you're a senior here, I know you know all about it, but if you're, you know, still thinking about what these different experiential opportunities are, there's co-ops, and then there's also a newer 
term to add to the list is micro internships. Do you feel like these micro internships co-ops are good are good opportunities to shoot for too? Listen, any opportunity to gain real life experience in an industry or organization is amazing for your resume and your own personal development. So whether it is something like a micro internship, which is a project based opportunity, an externship, which may just be leadership classes or a few days with an employer, a formal internship program that's usually 10 to 12 weeks, or a co-op, which is a six-month full-time opportunity. They're all building blocks to being the professional that you want to be, and they're all opportunities to enhance and grow your resume. So I tell students to seek out any opportunity that interests them. I don't always care what the name of it is. If it's a building block mm -hmm. to your future and it's experiential and engaged learning, then I'm a huge fan. That's really good. And, and, and all of that is available on Handshake? Absolutely. So Handshake is our job management platform and career services system here at Ryder University. And it has on-campus jobs, internships, co-ops, full-time jobs, um, some project-based and externship opportunities. Uh, but we also have a partnership with a company called Parker Dewey. And there is a website where students can apply for micro internships on that website as well. So there's, there's lots of ways to find these opportunities. And I've also heard you say how important it is that yes, while Handshake is one of the primary, you know, methods that our students use, there's other things too, and the importance of diversifying their job search and, you know, even going to company websites and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, it seems kind of basic, but a lot of students don't realize that every company has a job board specific to that company. So there's so many aggregate job boards or websites like Handshake that have job postings from lots of companies. I mean, Indeed, LinkedIn, Simply Hired, all are great sites, but there are so many internships and jobs that never get published on those sites for whatever reason. So I suggest students target 10 or 15 companies of interest and go to their websites and find their career page. Some companies even have an early career or internship page on their website. Sign up for an account, upload your resume, browse and apply for positions. It's, it's a great thing to use. It seems like it would give the company the impression that the student has self-selected themselves, like they really want to work for you because they're going there. They're tailoring their search a bit. Absolutely. So in a time when applying for a job can be as easy as using a mobile app and using your thumb, these company websites yeah. are usually a little bit more intricate and require more information and time on behalf of the job seeker. A lot of these companies also use tracking cookies. So when you find their job on certain websites, their internal system, their applicant tracking system, they can see where you found their job. And employers have said that they do favor students that do go to their job board and apply specifically. It's also the importance of using Handshake. I have had students say, well, I see the position on Handshake and I also sit on the career website, apply in both piles because Handshake is often because Ryder is a target school. The company has worked with us in the past. They've hired our students, you know, if they get 600 applicants for an internship on their career website, they can go to their target schools like Ryder and the Handshake page and download the names and resumes of students who applied there and sort of pick them out of the bigger pile. Lindsay, you had me at cookies. Do you have any advice of students coming out of this time of COVID, but that really is true of any kind of challenge, you know, in terms of searching a job or planning for their careers? Sure. You know, COVID is the first once in a lifetime event for many of our students. And as a result, many mm -hmm. students are experiencing a lot of uncertainty and anxiety over the job market and the economy they will be entering upon graduation. And, and those feelings are completely valid. I've always told students that they need to be more flexible in their internship and job search. And that's even more important right now, given all the uncertainty. Your dream job or company may not exist in the same way it did before COVID. So don't be too picky. If an internship or job gives you the opportunity to learn and grow, you should just go for it. Make sure to have primary 
primary career plans, backup career plans, and what I call crisis career plans, the plans you need to implement when loan payments come due or rent needs to be paid or you just need to pay the bills. Your career is going to be 40 plus years long. Take that in for a second. So as important as your first internship or job is, it's certainly not the be all end all for the rest of your life. And I often like to tell students the job you're going to retire from hasn't even been invented yet. As important as that first job is, it's a stepping stone to a lifelong career. Thanks so much. I mean, this has all reinforced for me how lucky we are as a college to have you in your role. So thanks so much for being part of this. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock Podcast only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronx.com. And we're back with the Off the Clock Podcast with Dean Kucher only on 1077 The Bronx. I wanted to hear about the internship and co-op experience from a current business bronc, so I recently Zoomed with Michelle Isaac. She's a senior, double majoring in global supply chain management and business analytics, and she's completed both a summer internship and a co-op that went virtual due to COVID. Michelle's also the president of the Ryder Global Supply Chain Association, a Bonner Scholar, and a member of the Gail Birnbaum Women's Leadership Council. Welcome, Michelle. I'm really pleased that you could join us today. So, Michelle, you're a senior now. This might seem like ancient history when you first started, but go back in time a little bit in your head and think about coming in as a freshman in our College of Business. At some point, you heard that it was a good idea to get an internship, or, or you might have even heard it's, uh, the word co-op at that point. Can you remember what it is that you thought when you first heard that and you know what went through your mind and, and how you started planning for that? Yeah, so I think right from freshman year, I heard all about these internships and co-ops and what I always wondered, what are these industry experiences? And I think at the Norman College of Business, it's definitely encouraged that you students go out for this. It's never too early or too late to start out for these experiences. So I knew freshman year, I started to explore some different options. And I think sophomore year is when I really started applying I looked at companies that I would be interested in. So it's pretty early for me. Now, you're a global supply chain major. Could you, in your own words, describe what global supply chain is all about? Of course. So I think for me, how I think about it is how a product or a service gets from point A to point B to point C, the final end goal. Let's say you're at a grocery store and you're picking out something that you need. There's a ton of functions that the product goes through to even get there. You you start with inventory or you start with procurement. You're and then you go from procurement to all these different functions like warehousing and logistics and transportation and planning and all of these functioning together, it leads to the product reaching on the shelf of your grocery store. So I think that's how I like to say it. Well, that's beautiful. And I think it'll help as I get into some of these next questions. So you said that it was after your sophomore year that you first started looking into these. Can you tell us what your first internship experience was like? Where was it? How you got it? What you did there? Yes. So my first internship experience was after my sophomore year. It was during the summer. I interned with Accenture at ETS, so Educational Testing Services. I was a warehouse operations intern. So I was full-time during the summer, so 40 hours weekly, and it's for about a month. 
So in this role, I got to work in the warehouse. I managed, uh, helped manage and supervise different warehouse teams, learned about the reverse logistics processes that is used to process the exams. And then, yeah, so I got some really great exposure in that area and saw how how it's functioning, how a facility operates. So that was my first experience. So you were working for Accenture at their engagement at ETS. Were there other students that were part of this too, or was it just you and then people from the ETS and Accenture site? Yes, there's actually a group of us from Riders. So I heard about the opportunity from Professor Robert Devonzo. He sent us an email. He let us know that there's this opportunity at Accenture and pretty close to Riders. So I decided to apply. And so it kind of worked out. And a group of us went and interned for the month or there were different rotations. We all kind of got to experience this and work with different supervisors. So that was one month. And how many hours? This was like a full-time position for the month? Yes, yeah, so 40 hours okay. a week. And had you ever worked in a warehouse before that? No, I have never worked in a warehouse. To say it was very different than what I've experienced. Uh Now, now let's talk about the outcomes a little bit. Um, What I like to tell students is when they do any kind of internship, that there's, uh, you know, there's a collection of outcomes that they could be getting from it. One is they could just be learning something that will help them in their career that they didn't know before. Two, something that they can put on their resume. Three, they can get engaged learning points for that. Four, they can get academic credit. Five, they could get money. They could get paid. So, and as long as you're doing maybe two of these five things, then it's really worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, it might even just be one. So of those outcomes, what were you getting, Michelle, from the ETS Accenture experience? I would say all five. It was great. And a lot of internships and co-ops might fight, you fall into that realm and you might not even know it. So, you know, you're getting paid. I got internship credit, which is required for the supply chain major. And there's some other majors mm-hmm. who have it too, but... I had internship credit for it. I gained experience I've never had before. I have it on my resume. It's a a really big talking point. So no, there's a ton to take out from it. Wonderful. And that was between your sophomore and your junior year, but you had another experience too besides that. Tell us about that one. I did, yes. So most recently I worked with Bristol Myers Squibb as the pharma supply planning co-op. So this is a little different than internships. So co-ops are typically a little longer, so about six months. So my co-op was eight months and I was full-time, so 40 hours weekly, but I was also a full-time student during the semester. So you're taking classes at night and you're working a full-time job. How were you able to keep the stamina to do the classes in the evenings? (laughs) That's a good question. So I think you can either take uh, online classes as well Mm -hmm. or night classes. So I think luckily um, most of my classes were online, but I did all the work in the evening. You space it out, you're working your nine to five or whatever it may be. And then I think six to nine or whatever, you come onto campus and you work on your classes. And uh, I think you take about two to three classes and then it's a, it's a good balance. So you kind of learn how to time manage and a good skill right. to have. And I'm happy that you made that distinction between a co-op and an internship because it is like a full-time job. It really is for that period of time. Mm-hmm. And before you talked about really the breadth of global supply chain as a discipline, as a, as a function, tell us a little bit more about how what you did there for BMS rounds out your global supply chain experience coming out of that other internship experience you had had with mm-hmm. ETS and Accenture. Yeah, so my experience as a co-op of BMS, I was In pharma supply planning, I got to firsthand see how those processes function in the company. So I worked with different planners on the team. I supported all the pharma brands of the portfolio that the company has. 
and see how different brands need to be planned with their inventory levels in relation to the demand requirements. So I got some exposure to that, which is very different than my first experience. I got to work with different cross-functional teams. They allowed me to pursue different opportunities, take some leadership. So it was a, a different experience, but it was nice to experience two different areas of supply chain. That's great. And I, and I imagine that now taken together and thinking about all the experience you've had, you have a good sense for what you'd like to pursue when you graduate. So is there something that you learned from either or both of those experiences that are really helping you in terms of envisioning what your postgraduate job is going to, you know, pursuit is going to be? What are you looking for now that you've experienced these two? I took a lot away from both. And I think however different they were, I encourage it, taking different internships and co-ops in different areas is what's going to help you realize what your passion is. And that's a role it served for me. So I think both roles when I, you know, I was in the warehouse, but even the pharma co-op, I think I got some exposure to the industry that I've never gotten before and something just clicked. You know, that's what, that's what it could do for you too. And you realize what your calling is, where do you want to pursue your career, or maybe you want to try something else. So it played a, a really, really significant role for me in trying to figure out what direction I want to take my career. I, I love that idea that at some point something just clicks and you realize you can see yourself doing this. It's a, it's a mm -hmm. great way to put it. Do you keep in touch with any of the people that you worked with or that you worked for when you were at, at either of those two internships? Do you still, do you still talk to them? All the time. Yeah, I, I talked to both from my first internship and the most recent co-op. I think I constantly, I try to stay in touch over email if I can, but I think LinkedIn is a really great resource that I've been using um, even more. You can always mm -hmm. drop them a message. They can see what you're doing to build your career, but you can also see what's going on with their teams and maybe some things that you worked on. I know recently I saw some brands that I worked on in the news and some good news. So I messaged my manager or some planners that I worked with and I was like, hey, I saw this really great development. And that's a great way to stay in touch with professionals you've worked with. And so I encourage it as well. Great. That's, it's a great practice. And there's more ways to do that. You know, comfortable, natural ways to do that. LinkedIn is a great one that you mentioned. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for being a guest here on Off the Clock. Of course. Thank you for having me. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock podcast only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7 TheBronx.com. And we're back with the Off the Clock podcast with Dean Kucher only on 107.7 The Bronx. Last, but by no means least, our alumni guest today is Andrew Toskovich, a 2011 accounting grad. He has held a variety of finance roles at Johnson & Johnson over the past 10 plus years, creating value for finance, expanding technology, and developing future talent. His career with J&J &J began in 2010 as a co-op while he was still studying at Ryder University for his accounting degree. Since graduating from Ryder in 2011, he lived in New Jersey, California, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania in different J&J &J roles, and is currently a finance manager on the acquisition and divestiture team. He stays connected to campus by recruiting for J&J &J at career fairs and other student-focused events. Hello, Andrew. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. So Andrew, before we get into what you do now, and I do want to get into that, since you are a Ryder alum, first I'd like to hear a little bit about what you remember about your days at Ryder. So you were an accounting major. What's something you remember about how the accounting program prepared you for the career that you were about to have? Yeah, thanks for the question, Gene. So I think 
you know, writer and accounting for me, it was always the availability of the professors is, is probably what I remember the most. If there was a concept that I didn't understand in class, if it wasn't available in the career center for coaching or, you know, extra training, I can always drop in on office hours and, and learn a little bit more. And specifically, how that would apply to a future career. I remember speaking with Dr. O'Reilly Allen about, you know, the different opportunities that Ryder had partnerships with different companies. But uh, just in general, having genuine career conversations, I can tell that the professors really cared about me as a student as well as my friends. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned partnerships with companies. In this episode, we're specifically focusing on just how important it is for students to have some real work experience to co-ops or internships. Did you have have a co-op or an internship while you were an undergrad here? I did. So, um, yeah, Gene, as, as I, you know, went into the spring of my junior year, I visited the career fair. That individual at the time, she, you know, advised me, rightfully so, to go to the career fair. I met with a bunch of different folks from different companies and eventually landed speaking to the representative at the Johnson & Johnson table. And folks may not know this, but, you know, that's, that's where I ended up. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later, Gene, but yeah, I, I did have a co-op while I went to Ryder. It was a fantastic experience. A bit challenging to manage the time, but I think any student that wants to do it can absolutely make the time. You mentioned a couple of times that term co-op, and yes, the students that are at Ryder right now, they get what a co-op versus an internship is, but we might also have some people listening who haven't heard of a co-op before. Can you describe the difference between an internship and a co-op? Sure. So uh, even an internship, I'd stress anyone to think of them as a long interview both you of the company and the company of you. Um, and you want to put your best foot forward. So Ryder is, you know, kind enough to give credits for the co-op, which is really important because it, you know, helps you maintain any scholarships, et cetera, that you have. So a co-op at J&J, it's a full-time job. It's 40 hours a week. It's doing the core work that an associate analyst would do at, at J&J. You're going to be preparing BVA statements, which is budget versus actuals. You'll be reviewing P&Ls for, for any trend analyses and, and obviously forecasting, which is, you know, a core competency of J&J's finance community. Now on the internship side, it's, you know, you'll still do that similar work. It may be project focused. You may build one or two forecasts over the course of your six to eight weeks versus six months in a co-op. So those, probably the time frame is, is a bit of a difference um, when you think about internship versus co-op. And then when they happen during the year is also a little bit different. It's a lot. Of, I mean, boy, you're doing a full-time job and then our students are taking more classes in the, uh, you know, at nighttime too, but it's worth it. I mean, the kind of experience that you get from what you've said, it's clearly worth it. You're still at J&J now. So you did a co-op at J&J, you're at J&J. Somehow you were able to parlay that experience while you were a student into a full-time job offer after you finished. You let us know how you pulled that off? Maybe a little bit of luck, a little bit of uh, a little bit of timing, but a lot of it I was able to in in my role I was you know performing something that was a very manual process as a co-op. It was very email based. It was very you know print it out, sign it, and put it into the system. What I was able to do there was new technology at the time that we were able to move that entire process into a workflow that was you know completely automated once it was in the system that would allow the scientists and you know chemists and biologists etc to order equipment a lot smoother um, and get the coding that they needed to be able to order that new equipment and then obviously on the finance side i would put it into activation on, on the balance sheet and trigger depreciation so that was kind of the finance lens to it taking that risk or making a change that impacts your organization your department 
or even just, you know, you and one or, one or two other people making those changes and being really invested in making the job better for the person after you and the person after you. I think that's going to be, you know, really key things to look for. And when you started then uh, after graduation, you were in what they call the FLDP program. Correct. Yeah, that's that stands for Finance Leadership Development Program. And and what did that look like? Sure. So transitioning from my co-op, that's it's it's a big feeder to our FLDP. Both the co-op and the internship, we pull a lot of talent from there into the FLDP. And I was able to secure that offer before Thanksgiving break, my senior year. So I was able to you know go into that spring semester and kind of breathe easier than some of my colleagues that maybe didn't have a job, but most of them did, you know, because they applied themselves. The way it's structured now, it's just about over two two and a half years. But you see two completely different parts of the J&J business. For me, I, I was able to live in New Jersey and support the pharmaceutical part of the business. And in my second half of that rotation and, and job experience in the FLDP, it was split. So I was able to see the medical device sector, but two different parts of it, one of which was based out in California at the time, supporting a you know small sales and marketing organization. And then halfway through that, I moved over to Massachusetts and supported a the spine part of our medical device organization. So screws and rods and, and kind of the reconstructive after an accident type of business. It's a great example. You know, I've been a big fan of that specific program, but I but I also love it when I hear that students are in some of these rotational programs where they, they get a chance to see some of the breadth of a business. And so in that experience, and then what you've done at J&J since that experience, you've dealt with student workers from college, whether interns or co-ops. Um, how is that like? Because now you're seeing things from the other side of the desk. Can you talk a little bit about that? What you've seen from them, does it make you remember your the good old days for you? Yeah, Gene, probably, well, aside from, you know, making me feel older every time I come back to campus or, you know, interview a new student for one of those positions. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. (laughs) You know, the ones that I see that have success, they do a couple of things, right? They take risks. You know, a very simple example of that may be just trying something new that impacts the way that you do your job. I remember one individual, it was cumbersome for him to download the data in, in one way, massage it and remap it so that he could present it to leadership. He came to me one day and said, hey, is it okay if I change this? Because it was a process he inherited from the person that he replaced. And I said, yeah, sure. Come up with something. You know, let's look at it. He came back to me with two different solutions, which is always great. You know, you ask someone to try it one way and they come back with two, that that's exceeding expectations, right? And and we agreed on a path forward. And, you know, that part of his job, instead of being a multi-day activity, he was able to cut it down to, to hours, which we're up against a deadline. Those days, we don't have them. It's the hours that are really crucial. What's something else that student workers have done that have really impressed you? Yeah, probably... Um, asking for feedback. I think a lot of students are nervous to ask for feedback because they may feel that it puts them in a, in a judgmental position or, or just uneasy, you know, may, may cause anxiety. So I think what helps you get over that as a student and as someone who's, who should always look to continue to learn and, and be a better person, better employee is asking for feedback. Say after your interview is when you should ask for feedback, maybe in that thank you email or thank you phone call that you may send, but also after you finish a key project, you know, ask for, ask for feedback. I will ask you for one last thing. Is there any other pieces of advice? You never know if anyone who's listening to this podcast might end up crossing paths with you, working uh, in a position like you did, maybe even for you someday. Any last pieces of advice about uh, succeeding in an internship or a co-op experience? 
Yeah, I would challenge anyone to bring themselves and bring them whole selves to the table. You know, everyone everyone comes from a unique background. We've all got thousands of different experiences that make up who we are as people. And and bringing that to J&J or any company, that's what makes those companies stronger, is the diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, and, and the diversity of background that no one else can replicate but you. So be sure to bring that to the table and don't don't undervalue your experiences. That's great advice, Andrew. Thank you so much for your time. I wish you a lot of more continued success and thanks for being a part of our Off the Clock podcast. Yeah, sure, Gene. Ha- you know, happy to be here. You know, maybe maybe the folks listening, you'll you'll see me on campus. So don't be afraid to say hi. That'll be great. Thank you again. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock podcast only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. And we're back with the Off the Clock podcast with Dean Kucher, only on 1077 The Bronx. Welcome back to the Off the Clock podcast. I am thrilled now to be here with another key member of our Off the Clock team. You've heard his voice before. You might know him as a professor of legal studies. He's also the MC and the glue that holds the Off the Clock tradition together, Professor Charles Ray. Charles, it's great to have you here. How's it going, Gene? I'm great to be here. It's really, really fun to be back at it. Yeah, and we've had some fun over the past couple of Decembers in our off the clock uh, events that we do. Tell me, what's your favorite part? That's such a tough question. I, I would have to say I love it all, but for me, absolutely the games, the signature games that we've come up with for our students to comp- to participate in and compete for that rider swag. That part to me is just second to none. So I I'm- love to see their competitive spirits come out, and it's the games for me. Yeah, I, I, and I'm so happy you said it. I was kind of counting on your saying that. As I was interviewing Lindsay and I was interviewing Andrew and Michelle, I kept thinking, one, how much they'd like to get to know each other a bit, and two, how competitive I could feel they were. So we decided to bring them back together and also include some of our students. So Charles, tell us what's happening next. All right, so I guess it's game time. So hello to Lindsay, Andrew, and Michelle. It's great to have you back. Charles, please explain for our guests just what they've signed on for here. I'd love to, Gene. Ladies and gentlemen, it's game time. The part of the podcast where we bring three of our guests together to compete in the highly unserious game loosely based on business. Now, the exciting part is if you win, you as a competitor get nothing. But each of you will be playing for a student from our Norm Brodsky College of Business Instagram network who will receive a coveted bag of NBCB swag if you win. Thank you, Charles. Everybody loves swag, so this should work. I'm getting the signal from our production team, too, that our three players now all have received the names of the students that they're playing for. Again, the student names were chosen randomly from among our followers on the uh, Norm Brodsky College of Business Instagram. Oh, by the way, be sure to follow us at Rider Business. Now, I'm going to ask each of you to please tell us who you're playing for. Andrew, who are you playing for? So I'm playing for Mariah Vargas today. Okay, Mariah is going to be paying attention. Michelle, who are you playing for? Today, I'm playing for Nia Antoine. Okay, lucky lucky Nia. And then finally, Lindsay, who is your student that you're playing for? I am playing to win for Bart Lilinevsky. Playing to win. I think that I see the other two contestants shaking. So let's get started. Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our first game is called While Supplies Last. This game is based on the fact that there are a lot of, shall we say, interesting products available on the internet. We, the OTC team, 
will read to you the name and a brief description of three products that are available online. Now, two of them are real. Spoiler alert, one of them is fake. A correct answer in this round will be worth two points. All right, so Lindsay, you're up first. I'm enlisting the help of our production staff. Here are your three choices. Trisha, you're up. Tomato to mubble. If your kid loves ketchup and your kid loves bubbles, then your kid will love tomato to mubble. Ketchup flavored bubblegum, a fun and healthy snack for kids. Hmm. All right, Alec, what do you have? Crystal's freshly minted unisex deodorant meant to smell like freshly minted cash. Leaves you feeling and smelling like a million bucks. Cha-ching! Fancy. And last but not least, Liz. Meet Al, Dente, the pasta timer. Drop this high temperature polycarbonate plastic doll shaped like an Italian chef into your pasta water. He'll sing to you when your pasta is indeed al dente. Oh, those are good products. All right, so Lindsay, which of those three products do you believe is the fake product? Well, Charles, this is a hard one, but I think I'm going to say tomato to mobile. As a parent, I can't imagine, even as much as my child likes ketchup, that she'd want to chew ketchup or tomato-flavored gum. So I'm going to go with that being fake. And I'm going to say that you're absolutely correct. Tomato to mobile is the fake product. All right, Andrew, so you're up next. Here are your three products. Trish, what do you have? This infectious disease coloring book is oozing with hours of gross relaxation and is nothing to sneeze at. It has over 35 pages filled with icky figures like flesh-eating bacteria and parasitic worms. Yeah, now my skin is crawling. Alec, please tell me you have something that doesn't make my skin crawl. The K&L Pet Dog Leash Umbrella for the pampered pet who refuses to get his dew wet. Now with an adjustable umbrella shaft and a C-shaped handle for hands-free walking. And what do you have, Liz? Need to get pumped while you're primping? A line of razors emits motivational mantras as you shave. There's a you go girl line of women's shavers and a you got this bro line of men's shavers. I could see myself using every none of them. Um, <laughs> so I, I, think, um, I think people spend any kind of money on their pets. Um, so the, the one I'm going to say that's fake is probably that singing motivational razor. And you would be absolutely correct, Andrew, that you go girl, you got this bro shavers are indeed the fake product. Nice. This Ooh. is disappointing. The, my favorite product that I want from each of the first two rounds now is just a phony. So this is just the whole, the whole podcast is a big disappointment for me at this point. So Michelle, here are your three choices. Trisha, what do you have? CatFacts app will allow you to bombard your friends and family with 30, 60, or even an unlimited number of texts per month, each with trivial facts about kitty cats. Meow. All right, Alec, what do you have? If you're losing sleep because of your roommates or bed partner's incessant snoring, this sound-activated device will drop three ounces of cold water to wake him or her up. Comes with attractive and protective rubber pillow shams. And Liz, how about you? ShipYourEnemiesGlitter.com will send an anonymous and obnoxious glitter bomb in an envelope along with a note telling your recipient just why they deserve this fun surprise. All of these gifts are awesome, but only They're mean, they're all mean. Michelle, I'm not sure what you did to deserve these three mean gifts, but what do you think is the wrong one? Um, no, they're all, they are really, really mean. <laughs> mean. I think, um, I don't know the glitter one, but I think I really want the pillow to be true. So I might need to go with the cat back as a phony. Oh, I'm so sorry, Michelle. The cat's back app is an actual app. 
In this case, uh -huh. the phony one would be the rubber pillow shams. I, when I when I heard that, I it sounds like waterboarding. A new definition of waterboarding. <laughs> well, it's a, a light version, a gentle version. But we you know boarding, like room and board, that kind of waterboarding. <laughs> Good job, folks. You know, I knew that you'd be competitive. After the first round of games, we have a two-way tie. Uh, with Andrew and Lindsay with two points each. Michelle, sorry, you've got nothing. But trust me, it's still anybody's game. I believe in you. Um, and I'll also say that you'll have to win in order to know whether those products we just described will be in the swag bag or not. Anyway, let's move on. There is a second game, so there's a chance to, uh, to catch up or to broaden your lead. Uh, earlier in this episode, the three of you all talked about the importance of internships and employment, which actually has a tie into this second game, a little game that we like to call Take this job and blanket. Charles. And this game is called Take This Job and Blanket. Now, we have pool job descriptions from Glassdoor.com. Gene is going to start reading the job description. And whenever he feels like it, he's going to stop and he's going to say, Blank. And then I will call on one of you to fill in this blank. I won't be calling on you in any specific order, so please stay on your toes. There will be six blanks in each job description. So that means there will be two opportunities to respond for each of you. We're gonna be going relatively quickly, so you'll have about three seconds to answer the question. The right answer is worth one point. Shall we get started? Our first job title is barista. You all know what a barista is. Well, here is what Glassdoor says a barista is. Baristas are responsible for making quality blank. Michelle. And quality coffee. Uh, okay, fine. It was beverages, comma, specialty hot drinks, preparing food orders, working the blank. Lindsay. Register? Yes, cash register, right. We'll take register, comma, and cleaning and stocking the store. Baristas must do all of these tasks quickly and efficiently while also making sure to form good blank. Andrew. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> By customer relationships, period. Oh. Baristas typically need a high school diploma or equivalent. Additionally, baristas need to have strong English skills and must thrive in an environment that requires blank. Lindsay. Multitasking. Yes, multitasking. The best baristas are dedicated to providing a high quality customer experience. Responsibilities for baristas include prepare and serve coffee and tea drinks that meet quality standards, properly handle and maintain all equipment, respond to orders, questions, concerns, and blank. Michelle. I have no idea. Complaints in a polite uh. and efficient manner. Uh, accurately handle cash and credit card payments, following appropriate cash handling procedures, serve customers quickly and efficiently, demonstrate a thorough understanding of all the blank. Andrew. Policies. Uh, we'll take it. It's menu offerings, but I'll take policies and observe relevant health and safety standards. That is the job of a barista. Wait a minute. It looks like that last answer is being challenged. I'm getting word that last answer was not acceptable. Yeah, I messed Gene. up. That's me. I'm guilty. I get, I, I get it. I get I'm it. I got caught up in the moment, Charles. Like I, it was caffeine and it was competition, job descriptions. What am I supposed to do? I'm, I, I apologize. I My fault. We must deduct the point. All right. Fair enough. So thank you guys for playing. I hope you had some fun. It was a great time. <laughs> you all did well, different levels of well, but you all did well. <laughs> Lindsay, well, you did very well in that last one. Multitasking cash register are not, they don't roll off the tongue. Well, I got to tell you, I look at job descriptions and resumes for a living. So I may have had a That's little true. bit of a leg up there. 
that's true. Well, you well you put it to good use. We all bring strengths to every everything we play. I sh- you know maybe if I had done it all about a global supply chain position, then Michelle Michelle maybe would have done a little bit better if that's what if you that's the way <laughs> the cards were dealt. So, but hey, thank you all for playing. Have any of you ever been a barista before? I've never had a cup of coffee. No. <laughs> what? <Same. laughs> what? What? Two or Andrew. We've got to work on our screening procedures. Two of our three guests are not uh, caffeine fans. Okay, well, Michelle, it's up to you and me to balance it out for the rest of them. So, well, good. I mean, congratulations for getting this, getting through life as long as you have without developing the the caffeine addiction. So, 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 hey, thank you all for playing. I think that we've given Charles the chance to tabulate the scores. Charles, will you be able to let us know? Who won? So the winner of our game today is Lindsay. Lindsay scored four points. Andrew scored two points. And Michelle scored one. Now, Excellent. as a reminder, Lindsay, could you please tell us who you were playing for? I was playing for Bart Wilineski. So congratulations, Bart. Bart. You're getting a swag bag. Congratulations to Lindsay and to Bart for being our off-the-clock podcast game time winners. Congratulations. And thank you all for being part of the episode, being part of Game Time, and I hope to see you all soon. I want to thank all of our guests and everyone listening for tuning in to our first Off the Clock podcast, one way that we in the Norbrotsky College of Business are using to stay connected and keep a conversation going. Today's episode's guests reinforced that when it comes to preparing students for their life and career, it's all about the internship. For the employer who's looking to recruit and get a sample of performance, For the intern who's looking to gain valuable experience and learn by doing, it's a win-win. And like anything worth experiencing, it takes work and effort. Finding the opportunities, landing the position, registering for credits, making an impression, learning from the experience, performing in the role, and then seeing where it takes you. Know that our faculty and staff in the Norm Brodsky College are here on the clock to help you with any and all of the above. And we thank you for joining us off the clock to talk about it. Join us next month when we dig into the entrepreneurial mindset, meet some more members of our Norm Brodsky College of Business community, and put them to work in It's Game Time, where they play for our students. Until next time, keep learning. Thank you for joining us for the Off The Clock podcast here on 107.7 The Bronx. Special thanks to our hosts, Dr. Gene Kucher, our production staff, Alec Grossman, Trisha Adams, and Liz Carrion, and everyone at 107.7 The Bronx, including John Moses and Anthony Colasano. This is your OTC announcer, Charles Ray, saying see you next time when we get together Off The Clock.